Yes, in just what, what Francois asked there, it, it is interesting if you, if you have the declaration, if you are a person of faith, um, and I was thinking of Psalm 16 verse 5 saying, the Lord is my chosen portion, he is my cup. And then that declaration, you hold my lot. Um, that makes the difference. If we can come before God this morning in saying, Lord, the future belongs to you. You hold our lot. When we look back on our lives and when we look forward into our lives, God is there. So let us be still in His presence and let us know that He is God in every, every circumstance of our lives. This morning I would like you to read with me from Colossians. And we're going to read chapter 3, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. Only four verses in this wonderful book. And in saying this, while we're turning to this passage in the Bible, this morning I'm going to attempt to share with you the core of Paul's theology. So this is not an easy sermon. Whenever a pastor stands up and thinks that he's going to speak on only four verses you know it's going to be complicated. And every time that we've listened to the words of Paul, we see in every sentence there is so much. And claiming the theology of Paul is something that theologians have done over a long time. And I just want to tap into the core of that. When you look at, at Paul's letters to the different churches, what is he on about? What did the Holy Spirit inspire in his life? What is it about the story of Jesus that he wants us to understand? These four verses in Colossians 3 helps us understand what happened in the book before and what will happen in the book afterwards. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and make what Paul is doing here easier and more understandable. The first half of the book it is all about the dogmatics. It is all about the theology. It is all about the things Paul wants us to know that God wants from his people, from his children. And then we find these four verses right in the middle of the book, right in the middle of this letter. And everything changes from dogmatics to ethics. So dogmatics is what we believe. It is the principles, the foundations on which we stand. Ethics is the way that we conduct ourselves, practically living a life that a Christian, someone who calls themselves Christian by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that life should roll out and look on a practical level. So brothers and sisters, these four verses are really important. It's important in understanding this book. Colossians 3 verse 1, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds and things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Just listen to this theology. How difficult is this? For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Just want to read that first verse again. If then you have been raised, and that if then points back to all of the theology that he has explained in the previous two chapters. If then, if all of that is true, if that is your foundation, you have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So far, our reading from the Word of God this morning. Brothers and sisters, for us as Christians living in these times that we live in, there are so many questions, so many questions for us going forward in living a life with integrity as a Christian. So I want to start when looking at this book and specifically on these four verses that, that, that hinges this book, that puts this book together. Would you say that the church is still relevant in the day and times that we live in? Are we relevant? Are we doing what God has called us to do? I want to ask another question. Is there discrimination towards Christians and towards the church? If we look at this religious freedom bill and everybody that was consulted and everything that was said, do you feel safe in Australia in saying that I'm a person of faith? And I want to make that distinction. Not a religious person. Not a person only thinking that religion is about the theology, about the first part of the book of Colossians. But also on the second part, on the ethics of how we conduct ourselves, do you really believe that you still make a change in this world and that God wants to use you in this upside-down world? Is there really freedom of religion? Teachers receive emails from their principals requiring of them things where they have to declare what they stand for. Businesses have been told what to say and what not to say and what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. So I'm, I'm just asking the question, is there real freedom of religion? And for our purposes, are we free to live in a personal relationship with God, our Father in heaven? Because this is our definition of religion. It's not only the rules for living it is also how do we live according to the rules? How do we live a life of thanksgiving? And then I want to ask another uncomfortable question. All of these questions are hanging over there and they are influencing our lives. But my question is, do we as Christians, the church of God, do we partake in the society that we live in in a responsible manner because this is what Paul is all about. And we will uncover and we will see what Paul is asking of us to be relevant as a church. Now church, the definition of church means it's you and me. It's the body of Christ and we are all the body of Christ. 
Like Francis said, if you have a talent, you have received it from God. Bring it to God. And as the body of Christ, let us use what He has given us to further His kingdom. But churches, and I want to start with church history this morning, because it's interesting when you look back at the history of churches, how church have been relevant or irrelevant in the times that they lived in. So the example I want to use this morning comes from the Methodist Church in Indiana. In 1870, there was this big church meeting. It's more or less the same as a synodical meeting. It is where all of the church leaders of the Methodist Church comes along and they pray and they open up all of the matters, their whole agenda for a week, and then discuss the church and the role that the church plays on different levels in society. At this meeting in 1870, the president of the college where they held the synodical meeting made mention before he introduced the bishop who was leading the meeting, made mention of something. He said, and by the way, I just want to say that it will be quite possible. Now remember, this is very much different times that we're talking about. It will be quite possible for mankind to fly very soon. And the bishop took the microphone and he said, Thank you for the introduction, but remember, flying is not for mankind. It is for angels. That is not on our agenda. We do not want that point on our agenda. We do not want to talk about that. Ironically, this bishop's surname was right. And that night he went back home to his two boys. And I'm sure that you know the names of these two boys. They were to set their father into creating a completely new vision, into understanding that life is changing and the church needs to understand the changes around them and how that will influence their lives. Wilbur and Orville. I wonder what happened in that household. I wonder when it's not a formal meeting what's discussed between father and two sons around the dinner table with different views. I think it might have looked like us. You know, when you not fully agree with the kids or what they say or their lives or where they want to be in their future, we speak out. We try and guide our kids through the world, just like this bishop did. It is uncomfortable for me to think, and I think uncomfortable for every Christian, to think that the people in the world out there, and this is just my take, think that we are irrelevant. To many people I speak during the week, it seems like they think the church is irrelevant. But Jesus taught us and now we're going to get into Colossians, Jesus taught us that the church is in this world. Yes, and the church has been called during different times to speak out as people of their time on what the will of God is for them. So with this religious, this, this religious freedom act, the bill that people were talking about, they did consult with church leaders. 
I've listened to at least three or four church leaders who are now representing the broader church from all different church backgrounds to have an input, to have a say in that bill. What does it mean for us? When I look at Paul, and, and, and specifically in the book of Colossians, it comes down to what every Christian is doing, and it comes down to understanding it's not only the bishop, it is not only the elders in this church or the elders that, that has been seconded to attend synod to make these decisions. Paul says, no, if you understand how the church needs to stay relevant, you need to be relevant. In your personal relationship with God, there is a set of ethics, there is a way of living, a practical way of living to make a change where you live and the people that you interact with. Everyone is involved. So I want to ask you, when, when we've asked all of these uncomfortable questions, are we still relevant we need to ask this in the presence of the Holy God. Are we still relevant with the gospel of Jesus in this church? Everyone needs to be involved. In Colossians 3 verse 2 we read, Set your minds and on things above, not on earthly things. Now in this text verse, it is problematic already. How do we set our minds on the things above? What are those things that are above? And does that mean that my feet still stays on the ground when my mind goes into heaven? What does it mean that we don't, don't think and ponder on the things of this world? Setting your mind and heart on things above is what Paul tells us to do. Paul wants us to understand that we need to arrange our thoughts. We need to start with our thoughts, and our hearts and our minds are one. Right through the Old Testament, there was one word used for heart and mind. It is the word levav. And that word can, in some contexts, mean heart, and in another context, mean mind. It is the same. Because think about it, when you... When you think, you think about the things of the heart. Whatever is in your heart is what you will hold close. Whatever is in your heart would be the things that you will be thinking about, and those thoughts will action you to live a life according to the gospel, according to Jesus Christ. That is the set of practical ethics the integrity that we as Christians need on the ground to stay relevant as the church, as the people of God. That's how it works. It starts in your heart. We hold the gospel of Jesus close in our hearts and we think about the things that Jesus has already taught us. Now, in this book, I just want to read two verses from the first chapter to help you understand where Paul is coming from when he, when he starts this passage in saying, if you believe in these foundations, then the following what we've read. And he's referring back to Colossians 1 
And in Colossians 1, I just want to read two verses, and we actually dealt with that, Francois dealt with that in, in the order of service this morning. Verses 13 and 14, he's pointing back, he's reminding us of what we already know about the gospel, of what we already know about our theology, about what we believe of Jesus Christ. Verse 13, chapter 1, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And we sang about that. We sang about a sinner coming to be still before God, asking, pleading for His forgiveness and receiving His forgiveness. So Paul says, hold on to the fact that you have been redeemed. Hold on to the fact that Jesus has already saved you from your sin, from your sinful nature, from being a sinner. And he wants us in the first place to understand that. He wants to remind us that we have died with Christ. Like I've repeated that text first, that very difficult, it's very difficult to understand. But we have died with Christ the day that he died. But we have to hold on to the fact that He has also risen. He has died on that cross. But He has risen and He overcame death. And Paul says this in the heart of his theology, if you do not believe in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, your faith is empty. It is empty and it is worthless if you do not believe that. So he reminds us that we have been redeemed. We have died with Christ on the cross. Our sins have been forgiven. Since then, if you know that you have been forgiven, if you stand on those firm foundations, then raise up your hearts and your minds and look to the things above. Look to Christ. Put your face up and see Jesus Christ in your life. We are going and heading into Christmas. We need to be looking at the things above that He has done for us. We need to celebrate Christian, like a Christmas like Christians. People who understand where they're coming from. People who understand that they have been saved. Our Lord Jesus Christ has saved us and He has freed us up. He has given us a new freedom in Him to live according to the will of His Father. Now this morning I just want to read from the basics of our faith, from the Belgic Confession in Article 23, just a few verses if you allow me to do that. I know it's very old school, but it is very old truth. Article 23 is about the justification of sinners. And we say, we as a church say, we believe that our blessedness lies in the forgiveness of sins because of Jesus Christ, and that in our righteousness before God is contained as David and Paul teach us. And that same Apostle Paul says that we are justified freely or by grace through, the, through our redemption in Jesus Christ. Colossians 1 verses 13 and 14. And therefore we, cl we cling to this foundation which is firm forever. So Paul says to you and me, if you want to have a set of ethics, 
If you want to understand what it really means to be a Christian, if you want to live a practical life in a living relationship with the living Lord, our Lord, Jesus Christ, you, know, you need to be standing firm on your foundations. You need to know that you have been saved. You need to know that He has been raised and that He had conquered death and that we live and we have life forever and ever after. So that brings us to the point where we can get practical, where we can say what happens after Colossians 3 verse 4. Get practical in living a life of Christ. What does it mean to take your heart and your mind and to focus all of that on Christ in the heavens above? Does that mean that we do not think about earthly things? Yes, we do not think about earthly things for our future. We do not think about earthly things for finding our foundation, for saying, this is what I am standing up for. No, we are looking to Jesus Christ to help us understand His values for our lives, to live our lives according to the will of His Father. In John chapter 15, we've heard this morning that Jesus said, He loved the world in the same way as His Father loved Him. So we are still in this world we can't just say, I am looking up into heaven and for, forgot and forgotten what Jesus has done on earth in his earthly lifetime. He showed us this example that we should show love to the world, unconditional love, although the world is upside down, although there are so many people, so many new voices. And one of these theologians that I've been listening to, at the end of an interview with a panel of him being the only Christian out of, out of six or eight people sitting around that table, he just said, we still hold on to the, to the truth and the value as we have always done generations before. The only difference is, back when I was a kid, we were in the majority. We still believe in the same truth of Jesus Christ, but now we are the minority. This is the society you and I live in. This is the truth. This is what happened. This is the shift that happened. So what lies at the core of your faith? If it is not the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have no power. The power lies in our faith that our Lord was resurrected and that He's alive and that He is living.